We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 353 of the Win and Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. I mean, just normal day for me, but for you, for people listening, you know, it's, it's the holiday season. In the US, you know, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. How's all that, Jordan? Are you all set? Any big plans? The turkey's in the oven. <laughs> Got the stuffing being stuffed. I don't know. The stuffing being stuffed. That's interesting. <laughs> Cranberry sauce in the can. Uh, that, that sounded like a rap was about to happen. It did. <laughs> I mean, you could take it down that road if you want to. Um, <sighs> yeah, but I'm, we... We needed to do an episode. I know this is something of a tradition that we do an episode like just before Thanksgiving and just before Christmas because people have, you know, journeys home to wherever home may be to make. And they they go, where's where's that rambling books podcast that's going to take up a lot of this journey? And so here it is. Here it is. What are you thankful for this year, Adam? Um. The Milwaukee Bucks winning a championship. That, that I seems think like I, an that's easy my one. answer too. That's, that, that would be it. <laughs> I don't have to think very much about that. That was a nice, easy answer for that one. Um, okay, we a few things have happened since our last episode. One, the Bucks have won some games, which is nice. A winning streak. Four? Be, four. We're up to four now. Yeah. Could be, if people don't listen to this on the day of release, it could be. I would hope it's five by the time they listen. Um, but the books finally got to come home after a bit of a 
bit of a road trip and yeah you know home comforts bad teams gradually returning to health or guys who did miss some time early in the season say bobby for example getting back in the flow of things and looking better all of that is working out quite nicely and it's reflected in the standings the books have closed the gap to the top of the standings they're i think up to eight now um only three games back of the nets in first so in a much better spot than they were not so long ago also i mean some other things about but Giannis was named like a gq i think he was finalist a... i don't know if he was gq man of the year i think he's finalist I think he's GQ Man of the Year, but they have multiple Man of the Year covers, so I don't know who or if they even make that. Is it like everyone gets a medal? Or like how Madden has like multiple, co- like or any sports game, I should say, but like that is what comes to my first. Like I, I do oh, think he was he's GQ Athlete of the Year though. That's what it is. Yeah, he was Athlete of the Year and also Man of the Year, as in one of maybe I don't know ten. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, there was a a really good, I'll start off with saying, a really good GQ profile by Zach Barron. This came out like last week, so I assume most of you listening, this wouldn't have been too long after we actually recorded last, um, have probably read it. And if not, if you haven't done that, you've probably, you know, partook or at least been, uh, been aware of some of the discussion that's come out of it, some of the reaction around social media at the time. Giannis did do some talking about, you know, his future um, as used to be a pretty common thing in all kind of conversations with Giannis, maybe less so now, but there were some questions asked here and there were some quotes that came out of it that has generated a bit of a noise in the least surprising way possible. Uh, Jordan, you specifically wanted to talk about this. I'm just going to Reveal to the people. Jordan was like, we should talk about that. I know we had talked about this privately. Um, what, what's what's your beef? What's the issue here? What's my beef? It's my turkey. Um, appropriate. Uh, I Well, first of all, I think it's one of those things where maybe a couple of years ago, something like this, if it had been you know plopped down into the interwebs it would have caused a greater uproar than what it felt like it did if that makes sense sure yeah so it's hence why there was no like urgency back let's talk about this like like it was we didn't have to talk about emergency pods yeah it's like what he's talking about his future like what does it mean you know the implications obviously not the same um after winning a championship and doing all the things that Giannis continues to do. Um, but I thought it was interesting how, of course, because maybe it, stuff like this will never go away, whether we admit it or not. Like, people will twist it in a certain way of like, oh, he's talking about his future. What what challenge does that mean? Is it going to be with the Bucks? Is it going to be with your Team X that isn't, in Milwaukee or whatever, all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know. Like, it's, I find it after all this time, and this is his ninth season and all this stuff. And it's like, people take what Yana says and 
we do the NBA machine thing where it's like, well, he's he's three years under contract, but he could just ask for a trade. Like all like the kind of like standard stuff that we always do now that just seems very, you know, the transaction part of the league. But it's like, how many times can we twist Giannis what Giannis says and in his second language and fit it in a way where it's like, oh, he's he could be unhappy or like do this and do like twisted to beyond what he may be meaning and or take or going beyond what it, it is face value i'm saying a lot of different things but well it, I, I, I i think what Giannis, first of all i think his actions are speaking louder than his words so whether that's the diaper initiative that him and his partner mariah have been um putting together over the past week or so in milwaukee whether it's uh, I don't know, his presence and his voice during protests last year or, you know, something really kind of obvious that we talked about at the time. The guy literally is a part owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, yeah. he, he has put down very kind of concrete roots for his family and he has in the past talked at length about, you know, it's a place that he would like to see his kids grow up. It's a place that he would like to live. It's it's lots of, lots of stuff. And I, I do think there's some elements of... Like this is a profile, so this is also serving a very different purpose than and a di- very different audience than if this is an interview with Woj on a podcast yes. or any, you know, it's it's the information is even being presented in a different way. Like one of the things that that caught my eye, there's the section where he's talking about, you know, I'd love KD to be on my team as opposed to against me, or I'd love LeBron to be on my team as opposed to against me. And then you have I'll, I'll quote directly here. And the winters in Milwaukee were cold, which is in the writer's voice. That's Zach Barron saying that. And then we have a quote from Giannis, which is cold as shit, he specified. Which, to me, for that to be the quote and for a sentence to be put together like that, I think is representative of you know how a profile is written and the difference in this between some other coverage of this we get in the past, which is they're talking about, you know, different cities, talking about Milwaukee, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And he, it was put to him, you know, the winters here are really cold. And he said, yeah, cold as shit. You know, that's, that's, I think, one just really small detail that's pretty inconsequential. But I was like, okay, just the way that's framed is interesting. It's a profile. It's edited for clarity. And the reality is it's clarity for most people for the core audience reading it it may not be clarity when it comes to you know the most hardcore nba fans books fans people being like what is happening with the future i do think more generally though there was i didn't find anything he said to be inconsistent really with kind of what he's always said i mean there is some of it that's different but he is getting older he's now won a championship his his career is evolving, his life is evolving, and with that, some of his perspectives will. And also, part of this for me, I mean, to just be pretty pragmatic and real about it, chances are that he leaves at some point. You know, that's that's the way of the NBA. There's a reason, like, Kobe and Dirk are these exceptions that someone like Giannis in the past has held them up and talked about how he wants to do that, Tim Duncan as well. It's because it doesn't happen very often, you know, mm-hmm. even uh, best intentions from everyone. There's no reason why at some point there's a need for a change or it just, it goes a different way. 
And with that, it doesn't really bother me even in talking about this. I will say I don't particularly agree with, I think, the kind of, the books Twitter, the books fan counter narrative that quickly came out about, you know, well, this is, you know, he's applying pressure. It's good for him to continue to apply pressure. I think he was just talking in an interview. Like, I, I think he was just talking in an interview. And I think there's lots of other interesting details that the way he talks in this interview kind of um, reveals about him as a person and how he feels in this kind of spotlight that he is not, he is not, I don't know, LeBron. He is not doing this interview going into it being like, I have an agenda that I know I can work in. I don't think Giannis has that level of comfort even in this setting yet. There's a very kind of interesting, um, he, he swears, he curses a lot in here. Yeah, and he even remarks on it at some point, and I I do think there is still for someone who is now he's he's so different from when he came here. Here I say I'm I'm in Dublin, so he did not come here. You know what I mean though. Um, he's so different, and yet at the same time, I actually read some of his quotes in this with some of the kind of the boyishness that was there in the early stuff, because you're like, yeah, he's. He's still trying to figure out, like he's projecting a version of himself. The articles about how he doesn't fit in with a lot of, you know, the masculinity standards in the NBA because he's someone who'll go and he'll collect jerseys from his rivals and all this. At the same time, it feels like he's trying really hard to uh, to drop an f bomb with every second word, and you know, to to just talk in a certain way. That I don't know. Maybe that is how he speaks. Maybe it's not. I, I found the, the interview, the, I thought it was a really good profile overall. I think there's lots of really interesting stuff in there about Giannis. Um, but even when it comes to the books, it's like the way it's framed and the way he talks about it. And then I think even more specifically, and Jordan, these are words I've never said on the podcast before, but I, I think there was something really instructive in the quote that Alex Saratsis gave about it, his agent. Because I'll, you know, I'll read it directly. Yeah. Sarazza says, I quote, I don't think it's, I'm thinking about leaving the books, but I think he's genuinely like, okay, I have reached a pinnacle. The next challenge is let's repeat. But what happens if you do repeat? What's the next challenge? What is that next barrier? When you think about it from a basketball perspective, by the age of 26, this kid has accomplished everything. So sometimes you're going to have to manufacture what those challenges are. I think that's true. I think he will have to manufacture what those challenges are. Um, so, yeah, maybe if the books repeat, Giannis is like, you know, I've done all I can do here. And if that happens, you know, I'll, I'll kind of tip my hat to him and be like, hey, if that's what you want to do now, you've got back-to-back championships in Milwaukee. and There'd only be one before the past two years. That was 50 years ago. Good for you. I also think with his personality, if they won two in a row, there's no reason to believe that he then wouldn't feel like the next challenge is to win three in a row or win four in a row, not to go full LeBron at Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I do think continuing to win could be that challenge. And as much as in his head he may be saying something like that, he is a relentless, like, competitor. And players do not look to move teams because they're bored of winning. They may frame it a certain way, the way he will ultimately leave Milwaukee or choose that he would like to would be if the books aren't good enough. Like I, I really think he'll find it pretty easy to be like, Oh yeah, I want to win 
this many championships in a row, that's what it came to, and he won't actually be talking with the challenge. And I, I think my last thought on this is he has five years left on his contract. So if two years from now he decides he wants to leave, fine. The books have unbelievable leverage. They have the best player of the league in his prime years, and there's three years left on his deal. You'll get the best return you can ever get. And like I think part of when you talk about the difference in the reaction or the feeling to this, sure, one is they've won a championship. So that's a big part. And it's like, well, no matter what, he was here, he won a championship, and everyone's going to have that forever. For me, I think the other part of it, and why I think the anxiety of that first contract is maybe the peak of what it's going to be, particularly now that they did win a championship. It's not like if he stays for five more years and he's about to hit free agency again, it's a conversation where it's like, if they lose him now, they haven't got to do it. They've done it, and they're going to have chances to do more. So the key thing that time around was you don't want to lose this player for nothing. It, yeah. Particularly with what you've done to the franchise to build a team around them. It would gut you, it would devastate the franchise. Honestly, it could be could be kind of terminal. <laughs> like if the books, if if he had decided not to sign that extension and we're facing into, oh, you know, he's just gonna walk with all of the draft picks gone already. I, I don't know how the books come back from that. It would take a long, long time. And then all of a sudden you could have a nice shiny new arena, all of the amenities around it, and the crowds may not be there and all those great jersey sales, everything from around the world, you know, all of that just falls off the face of the planet. You've got a very different proposition. By getting him to re-sign that deal, that was avoided. So that, that was the crucial thing. And that's for me where it's like, if he does decide two years from now, for whatever reason that might be, I'm leaving. It's like, will all Bucks fans be really, really sad about it? Yeah. Are the Bucks now in a position, though, that if that was to happen, they could have something to, you know, have another good team or to initiate a full rebuild in a way that has the potential to bring them another really good team or their next great team? Sure. So I, I do think that's one difference with it. It's like, you know, all of the, the sad fans in, I don't know, let's think of random cities like Miami and Toronto, they can they could see quotes like this and they could start daydreaming and fantasizing about it. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. If if Giannis decides he wants to be a raptor in two years, you're gonna have to send like eight first round picks, whoever your best young players are, whoever your best current players are, you know, the books might want some of those. It could be another team involved in the deal that takes your current best players and sends more. You know, it's like you think the Thunder have a lot of picks now. <laughs> It's, it, it could go whatever way it wants to. It's either that or the books would be like, oh, yeah, we want one of the other best players in the league. You know, it's not the stuff that we want to think about, but I do think it makes for an entirely different situation than in the past when we had, you know, the clock is ticking and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, we talked about after he won the title or even probably after signing the Supermax at that point, because it was just, you know, he did what Kareem didn't, and he's, you know, those are the two top players ever to be in the franchise. Um, and at this point, you know, one championship to one championship, you know, who knows if the Bucks get to another finals. It looks good, but obviously, you know, you have to get to that point to fulfill that. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, this is, and it's, 
it's it's one of those things where it's like you're getting him at such an interesting time where you know he is his mission is to become you know the the best player in the, in the league to win a championship in Milwaukee of all places and do what hadn't been done you know previously for 50 years obviously here but like it's it was representative of like seeing someone as great as Giannis fulfill that goal and then you know where does that go from here it doesn't go I mean he even talked about like right after they won where you know all those interviews where I think it's Malika Andrews where he's talking about like I want to get the next one and then you know that kind of thing where I, I don't think I don't think he has to the whole like kind of manufacturing like challenges. I mean, he that's going to come to him very easily, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in Milwaukee or whether it's in, you know, um, LeBron, elsewhere. Down LeBron does this every year. This is the whole Washington yeah. King, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's very easy to do. You can even say it, the same thing with Giannis's international career because obviously, you know, his time with Greece, whether at the World Cup a couple years ago or Eurobasket, it's been you know, struggles. So there's always going to be something that, you know, that's what makes players of a, of Giannis's caliber or LeBron's caliber who take, take a, your pick. That's what they're, why they're not to borrow this phrase that is often a joke, but it's, they're wired differently. <laughs> they're built different in, in their determination and just like what fuels them to, do the things that they do and how they can reach the pinnacle of success. It's, it's weird. <laughs> and I think, I think how that article, that article ended too was incredibly instructive to just how Giannis is and just how you can kind of, there's different parts of Giannis that you can identify with, but like, when you put it all together and just like what he stands for, what he is working for, it's very, it does feel very lonely. And that the fact that it's, he's just kind of, you, he doesn't turn it off. That's, that's the kind of thing that stood out to me, even when they won it out. Cause it's like, you want him to enjoy this moment. He's a man. Cause yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, what, I mean, you, we all hope that, you know, this something like this could happen again, but may not. It may not. You don't know. We don't know. Dirk is a great example of someone Giannis Revere's and has spoken about his career in lots of different ways. And he got one. And Dirk, I think Dirk definitely enjoyed that more than Giannis did, um, in some ways. And the interesting thing about that is Giannis did kind of very publicly enjoy it, but it feels like that was brief. That was a he's in a daze and there was no actual contentment. Nothing came from that kind of internally. Nothing came from that, you know, upon reflection firm. That's interesting. I mean, I, I said in talking privately, I, I think he's weird. I think he's a weird guy. Like we all love to talk about the lovable stuff and all the elements we relate to, you know, ultimately he's not very relatable. He's weird because he's one of the greatest athletes on the planet and to live his life the way he has to be that to just be the person it takes mentally to get to that place 
you're going to be a little bit different. And these people are always Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, whatever it might be. They're not just, you know, average guy down the street, you know? So I think you read some of this and you read some of the things the way his mind works. And I'm like, I love him. He's great. You know, he's also weird. I don't think there's anything wrong with us acknowledging that he's, I think less weird comparatively than his peers, which is what has always played into this kind of, you know, oh, look at Giannis. He's, he's so huggable, isn't he? You know, it's just, uh, no, he's still a maniac. He's still very, very different and has, you know, tendencies, ways of thinking that if applied in a different industry or in a different social scenario, you'd be like, this guy's a sociopath. What's going on? Yeah, so, I don't know about you, but I, I don't think I've been asked or I've been locked out to do work like Yada says. <laughs> like locked then, out of a gym. And then you set up your workplace in your home and you're like, ha, no more locking me out now. It's like it's so that that's the kind the other interesting part with it. It's like, you know, I gotta set up my own business just so they can't stop me going to work because there's a touch of that there. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really great profile. It's not a surprise that there was some noise, not as much noise as before, but some noise around those quotes and that portion of it. But overall, I just thought it was an interesting look into Giannis, who I think is more interesting, a little bit more mysterious as he's getting older. Um, and that's not in the way that it would often be where it's like he, he's become more, I guess, media trained or polished to a point where he's not going to say anything. He, he'll say stuff like that is that is absolutely part of the way he likes to represent himself. It's part of who he is. But I, I do think it's something it's not going to be the last time we have something like this. It may not be quotes about Milwaukee. Uh, or if he wants to stay with the books. But I, I do think he's going to be someone who is going to continue to be outspoken and say some stuff. And over the years, who knows where that gets you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, well, we talk talk about Giannis' play and the current books, the recent run. Um, we mentioned up top four straight wins as we record this, all at home of Pfizer Forum. They've beaten the Lakers, the Thunder, the Magic twice. What are your thoughts, Jordan? What are your thoughts on this run of games? Um, it turns out the Bucks are good when they have their best players playing. <laughs> I think that's where I, I kind of... These teams are bad, too. They're very... Yes, they're bad. All Magic, four of them, or all three of them, I should say. Magic team, too, that was without Cole Anthony, who I think is their leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, so already kind of not the best team, but you know, take away your best score, and it's like, okay... I was at Monday's game, and it was very much so, oh, they can't score at all. They are pretty terrible. Um, sorry, John Hammond. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's there's nothing that's a revelation to me. I, I think it's more of a confirming what we knew. And, you know, once you get Chris healthy, once Brooke comes back, you know, whenever that target date is. Um, seems to be soon, but who knows? Yeah, I I mean I think like when we last recorded, we we're pretty happy where the books are. We're like you know they're good, they're good, and I I do think the low point maybe was their performance against the Hawks, which came just after our last episode. But I think other than that, even in some of their losses, they've kind of been right there. I know they've had some problems with holding on to leads late in games. I think generally their defense has been a problem. It's certainly not something that's been solved. Their offense isn't firing all cylinders. You're still missing a key guy. You're missing multiple guys, but one who is crucial to the team. And I, I think beyond that, even someone like Bobby came back and he'd been out for a while. He hadn't been feeling particularly great. And it took him five or six games I think to start looking anything like himself that doesn't solve all problems Bobby Portis looking like himself if you don't have a Brook Lopez or you don't have a more defensive mind the big but he's he's on a tear when it comes to shooting the ball he's, he's, he's grabbing rebounds which was something that I know last time we spoke or our last kind of couple of episodes you're like it's not something he does well well he certainly improved on that front, although part of that may be related to the competition the books have faced recently. We'll see. Um, I mean, for me, I just think this is a cakewalk schedule. It's it's perfectly timed to get a home stand like this to get some really bad teams. After the start of the season they've had, it's kind of it's buying them some time with Brooke, possibly with Dante. Um, who know? Like Brooke could be, Brooke could be back soon. I don't know. I know we're still at the. We don't actually know, but I, I don't know if he does that weird. Like, was there a full interview with Champ somewhere that I didn't see, or did he? It was that just... fifty second clip or whatever it was. Is that it though? The, he hardly it. jumped on Zoom for fifty seconds. Yeah, that's he was on another very strange. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Was there something about whatever stadium is? It was a stadium thing, I feel like. Yeah, it was a stadium thing. I'm not sure if it was like a part of like, I think they had like kind of like their 
basketball show and it's like oh we're talking to brooke lopez kind of thing i don't know if it was that you ask us other questions too just generally yeah not a bad idea um i don't know maybe maybe rich paul was the line and champs had to cut it short i don't know jordan could be more important business to tend to um i i do just think though they were looking good and not necessarily getting wins and this has allowed them to get some confidence up to kind of find a rhythm to also not really overwork themselves like i mean against the magic they played like a quarter and a half and the game was done so that was helpful i would not even say quarter to be honest well yeah it's true um i think it took the magic to score to crack double digits until like the like with under two or under three minutes ago in the first so it was pretty it was pretty uh tucked away early on <laughs> and the, the interesting thing with this though is the schedule isn't too scary in terms of what's coming. So it's, it's really, it's like, great, you're taking care of business there and it's built up your confidence and it's at least helped you to get closer to getting some guys back, if not actually get them back. But after they play the Pistons, then you've got a really banged up Nuggets team. Now that is on the road in Denver and it's one of those places that the books generally just go and lose um, over the years. Hopefully that's not the case this time. Then way to the Pacers not exactly um, any great shakes at the moment 8 and 11 Pacers and you've got the Hornets Hornets are always, okay you can beat the been, Hornets and they've they've always given the Bucks trouble too since Borrego got there I, I think Miami and there's two Miami games in three um in early december the fourth and the eighth of december but even you've got the Cavs in between that then you've got the rockets the knicks the celtics the pacers the pelicans the Cavs, the rockets like this is coming right up towards and they play the magic back to back at the end of december too and even then you've got like the mavs on the 23rd the celtics christmas day yeah, you're right. Your magic back to back. Pelicans, New Year's Day, the Pistons, the Raptors. Where are all the good teams in the NBA, Jordan? The Nets, there they are. Um, 7th of January. Like, really, between now and then, you've got two games against the Heat. You've got the Mavs ish. That's the, there's a lot of bad teams there. Like, the books could really start to rack up some wins, particularly if they get healthy. And that is the interesting thing. It's like, oh, great. This stretch in the schedule has come at a good time and you've taken advantage of it. You've got four wins in a row. I'm going to assume and hope not to be proven wrong that that will be five wins in a row against the Pistons. It's then like, you know, and now what? You know, I'm not saying they need to make that a 15 win streak but it's like are you gonna go nine and one or eight and two over your next 10 and kind of continue to build up a level that's much more representative of where the team's been the past couple of years and also just i think where we feel they they will and should be this year so that's certainly something to uh to watch out for any specific observations player related team related from recent games is there anyone or anything that's been catching your eye I mean, Giannis has been Giannis. I mean, what, 47-point game against the Lakers? Mm -hmm. Um, Despite all the Lakers' struggles and 
you know, it's certainly being talked about a lot elsewhere, not around here, but <laughs> uh, I'll talk about it if you want. <laughs> but they still gave pretty much everything they could, you know, obviously without LeBron that night before he came back from his injury and then assaulted Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, I mean, he was just tremendous. I mean, what was it, 30, 20, and 5? He had a 30 and 25 game against, in the first game against the Magic. Like, he's just been, you know, I would say on another level, but Giannis is just kind of, that's Giannis. He's, <laughs> he exists on another level uh, to the Bucks entirely. But like, Chris has looked decent coming back from COVID. Drew has had his struggles, but like, even like the Monday game against the Magic, it's just like you could just like sense when he turns it on and just like how like smothering and just a defensive menace he is to these, you know, RJ Hamptons of the world. They're like, you know, lesser ball handlers and all that stuff that's just like, holy crap. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's kind of just reinforcing like how good this team projected to be coming in the year. Like how we were talking about, like this is the deepest Bucks team ever. And, you know, I don't think there's, people have certainly struggled, but I don't think there's necessarily like a super big weak link, um, you know, beyond what their top eight or, or uh, like within their top eight or nine or whatever. Like it, Everything is kind of like fill like fit into place. Jeremy. He's now injured, so I mean, that it, yeah, takes that, that out of the equation. But it, that's been rough. I mean, Ty Windish has changed team already. You know, he's <clears throat> he went from shouting at us all about it. Even though I don't know, were you saying much of anything? Probably not. That sounds like you, Jordan. You're sitting it out, but he was certainly getting upset with Rohan and I. Um, in in that pod about Shemi, he was as bullish as can be. He's already, you know, apologized, disavowed him entirely. So I think that that speaks volumes. There, I I really haven't been impressed with really anything that Shemi's done. So that's a tough one. The injury is going to make that tougher too, in terms of yeah, you know, him finding his footing and being someone that they're going to look to later in the season. So we'll we'll see how that one develops. I think Goddard is though, like Chris and. Drew are definitely, they're not shooting well, really, either of them, and they're just generally not quite there. There's pretty solid reason for both of that, with both of them, but they're doing some good stuff, and they're kind of navigating their way through games, and if there's a time of the year where they're going to be off, that's fine. It could be now, you know? Yeah. And the upside, and as you said, what's reflective of this being maybe the deepest books team ever is they're off and you're like, oh, it's okay because behind Giannis, Grayson, Bobby, Pat, and George Hill, they've got it. You know, they've got it covered. They're all playing really well. Yeah. Um, and that's just such a bonus. Like Grayson is the third leading scorer for the books. I honestly don't really expect that to change. No. That's a place that, you know, the fifth starter, we couldn't have imagined that being possible really in the last few years, there just wasn't a world where that was in play. So that's a big deal. And Bobby finding his offense and shooting so well. Oh, and I guess really continuing to shoot well and carry over his offense from last year. That's that's a real positive. Pat just being 
you know, the best role player in the NBA now, that that's certainly helpful. It is tough to come to terms with what exactly has happened there that has made him level up to the ex- extent that he has, but it's happened, whatever it is. George Hill is really impressing me. I think it's something that was a question mark. I, I definitely had more confidence than a lot of people that I thought, you know, back on the right team in a good environment for him, that he still have something he definitely does. Like, no worries about him being able to contribute in the playoffs. It's, it's hard not to just feel really positive about all of it, to be honest, because let's say Brooke comes back in the next few days. It'll probably take him a week, a couple of weeks, maybe longer to get back into a groove. But we're already seeing with Chris and Drew, you don't necessarily need those players to be at the top of their game anymore. They can be out there. You can have them kind of play their way back into it because there actually is a supporting cast to help them and to help get the books over the line in from game to game. Maybe not as cleanly. Like that is definitely part of why you're getting some of these games where they have a big lead and the lead's disappearing. And then you're being like, okay, here we go again um, in third and fourth quarters. But I, I think overall, the fact that the kind of players who are helping them through that outside of Giannis, that's, that's very different to what was there before. The books, to be honest, the books look like a team that the books would come up against in the past. And you'd just be like, look at all these guys who can make shots off the bench or who can do stuff. And the books have never really had that in terms of their depth. They certainly didn't have it last year when we were just being like, how small can they get away with having the rotation in the playoffs? Yeah. So I think that is a real positive. And one thing I'll note on that, because it was a concern, like I know it was something when we were having the conversations last year about how small the rotation could be. We were like, you know, maybe Horst did this on purpose. So Bud can't play guys for too long. Uh, that is not what happened. But <laughs> Bud, is, Bud is keeping it like relatively tight still. It's like you've got enough good players that you can more evenly distribute minutes and you don't have to go deeper than that. I mean, there have been some blowouts they've been involved in where other guys are then getting a chance to to mop up some minutes. But uh, I think overall, there's some pretty nice handling of that going on. But it bodes well for as the year progresses and I think as a more defined playoff or big game rotation starts to emerge. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see when all the pieces come back and how, you know, everything fits. Cause you know, we talk about starting lineup and all that stuff. They've only played however many minutes it has been, but like that first night was still Shemi didn't play or was still injured. Someone else was hurt too. Um, probably a smaller, or was it Rodney hood? Rodney I mean, hood player, but Dante. Dante yeah. But this team has still not been at full strength. And, you know, that could always be the case throughout the season. So we don't know. But there, there is a relative thing to that, too, which is the picture is much better now where it does feel like the guys who are out are on their way to recovery. But also there's only Brooke who's essential on the players who's out right now, you know? Yep. Dante will certainly get a chance to come back in and have some role. How that plays out will remain to be seen. Um, I will say that it would probably be a good time for him to get back soon enough. You know, if he's ready with Shemi out injured, if you, if you want to come back and establish yourself and really kind of get a hold in, in the rotation and 
give the Bucks some different options, this would be a time. And honestly, I think if he was to come back soon and say Brooke comes back soon, the next few weeks could be more representative of, I think, how they'll play in the playoffs, which I don't think is going to be about Chemi Oja. I don't think it's going to be about playing with a PJ Tucker type. I've said this over and over, but barring them finding someone who can give you that kind of defense at the four, um, in around kind of trade deadline or buyout season, barring that happening, I think they're going to be playing smaller, but they're just going to be doing so with some really, really good defenders. They have the luxury to do that. And maybe if Dante could come back while Shemi's out, that could be something we see some more of. Um, I think you need Brooke there to get a look at it. But I, I do think this is a really interesting stretch in the season coming up. Because the Bucks can, they could come through this and assert themselves as like, oh yeah, we are the champions and we are the best team. Like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility looking at that schedule that by the turn of the calendar year, they are right there with the Nets at the top of the Eastern Conference, if not even ahead of them. Three games is not that much. And um, particularly if you start to get it rolling and you you look like a much better team. But it was something I know that we mentioned in previous episodes and their start and with the injuries and everything it wasn't a, a cause for panic you can't be panicked about it but there was always the kind of question of it's not a big deal now but how long can they get away with this before it becomes a problem where you're just deep into the sea and then you're all of a sudden having to fight to get guys back to win enough games to get just decent playoff seating thankfully it seems like we've already come through the other side of that and things have stabilized, and hopefully, knock on wood, injuries don't intervene to uh, prevent them from kind of just continuing to trend upwards here on out. Will we go to the mailbag? Let's do it. From at AC Snide, what Midwestern delicacy is Adam most excited about eating? I'm really, I'm open for suggestions here generally. Um, I'm just excited to, you know, get the lay of the land. Try some stuff, see some places, meet some people, you know. I have I have a tour guide here on the other side of this this zoom screen. Um I'm open to recommendations, really. That's the thing. I am a vegetarian and I don't drink, which these two things are not very Wisconsin. <laughs> so that's that's gonna be interesting. That's yeah. that's a challenging dynamic, but you know, we'll sort it out. Um, I know I'm curious for all sorts of stuff. Cops, frozen custard. I was gonna say cops might be cops is right up there. Um potentially cheese curds. I don't even know if cheese curds are vegetarian though. I don't know why cheese works in the US. That's we can cross that bridge down the line. That's a good uh, question. Yeah, we'll find out. There'll be lots of stuff. You know something I am, and there's a possibility that I'll make a trip to Chicago for a books game and I'm there, but if not, can you get like proper Chicago deep dish pizza in Milwaukee? Are there places I would have thought? There are some. There are some. I've never there's had, also like never like had deep Chicago. Dish, so it's a curiosity. Oh, there are like Chicago pizza chains that have made the jump up to Milwaukee. That, okay. Yeah. So I mean, get, it, like... it could be disgusting, but it's one of these things. I see these arguments <laughs> on Twitter about like the kind of soupy casserole kind of pizza. And I'm like, you know, what? I don't have an opinion. I've never, never had it. So generally, I think there's some other interesting Midwestern stuff. But, you know, I'm not like like any city. I want to I want to taste um, sample some of the foods of taste Wisconsin. But I also I want to I want to get 
Milwaukee's uh, version on other great foods from, you know, around the world. If there's a great Mexican or a great Italian place, whatever. It's like, yeah. It's very good Indian, too. I love Indian. Here we go. So <laughs> I'm, I'm down for ideas. Generally, if you've got um, recommendations, suggestions, reach out, let me know. Jordan's keeping a list, right? Jordan's. Oh, yeah. I got the list. Jordan's got an itinerary plan. Um, from at Hindus119-00842, which herd should be promoted? This is the thing when you name your team the herd. It's it's awkward for questions. That whole yeah, herder. Now. Um, Kevin Herder. <laughs> herd are rolling. You're in a much better position to talk about this than I am. I have not watched the herd yet this season. But I, I do enjoy being like, oh, let me check what score the herd game was last night, and being like, oh, they were down like twenty before I went to sleep, but they won again. Yeah. So we're learning no lead is safe, whether it's NBA or G League uh, basketball. I've, I've got a question, right? Because I was thinking of the books' recent schedule, and I was like, they're basically playing G League teams, and I thought that's unfair because you know, the herd are in the G League. How do you think the herd would fare at the moment against, say, the Magic? I know this is very like uh, going back it? to Duke against which was it the Sixers? Was it the Process Sixers? Yeah, the Process Sixers, like Kentucky or Duke beat. The difference yeah. here is these are both professional teams, at least. Yeah. Um, I would probably give the, the edge to the NBA too. I'd, I'd give the so. edge too, but just, you think it could be a game? It could be competitive right now? It could be competitive. I mean, it's, and plus two, the Magic are like the worst team in the league. It's the Rockets, right? They're just yes, like, it is the Rockets. Um, yeah, it's all, I mean, it's the team factor. Can the, Are they playing for each other or are they playing for themselves, you know? <laughs> So, any herd players that are catching the eye for you? I, I think there's some obvious ones um, that even I've I know of. But you're watching games, so tell me, is there anyone that the book should have their eye on, or even just generally maybe that are candidates to be signed to the NBA? I'll actually get. We had another question. No, oh, you know, I'll have to find the question. We have another question. Um, along the same lines, I think asking how the G League works in terms of do the books have essentially first option? Uh, it was from Adam Hunter underscore Y13. How do call-ups work from the G League? Can other teams call players from the herd or do the books have some kind of rights or priority there? Um, the books have no rights or priority. Yep. The, the players can be called by any other team, which is generally in previous seasons when the herd have had standout players and a standout team, that's been what happens. In part because generally it's bad teams who will be the first to take a flyer on on these kind of standout G League players. Um, the advantage inherent though is they're currently within the books organization. So the books are getting eyes on them every day after someone who is hypothetically so good that, you know, they need to be part of the books, well, a call should be made from Oshkosh to Milwaukee where it's like, you just need to sign this player now. Like that's 
that's the advantage you have is you're getting the closest look at any of these guys, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything in terms of other teams can call them up. So with that in mind, whether it's the books or even if it's other teams, call up candidates through the first five games, right? It's five and oh. Yep. Five games a season for the herd. Who do you got, Jordan? Um, Rajon Tucker is probably, I would say, the top name for me. I mean, it's and it's nothing. It's kind of like the same how we talked about a couple of years ago before he got called up to the Jazz. Um, just impressive score. Uh, his defense is really, he's been really more engaged on them and he's playing passing lanes really well. He's just, he looks a lot more, he's built on his body too. So he's just, he's already very athletic and now you're adding more physical or, you know, physicality. And he's just like, he looks like he's a linebacker. Mm. <laughs> so, um, okay. Yeah. Cause that's something from not having watched games. I haven't seen yet. Cause he was kind of a stringy build previously yeah. with the herd. So a lot of mass has been added there. Yeah. Um, he's He's been really good. Trayvon Waters is – I don't know if he'll get a call-up just because I think, you know, it's tough for a point guard like him because he is so small. And I didn't – I knew he was on the, the shorter side. I didn't realize how small he was. Um, he's maybe like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, um, so, yeah defensively it's a little bit tough but he also just plays above you know his what's given to him like he is like despite defensive deficiencies and kind of being you know he could be was it schemed out or you Mm -hmm. know exploited matchup wise like he is a very tough defender regardless um excellent passer has been shooting the three very well can really get into like again you know despite his size limitations really finishes in the lane and kind of just finds angles that you wouldn't think that someone of his size can get to. Um, he's been really impressive. I, it's, it's kind of, I like, I don't know if there's like a standout guy. I mean, those two are obviously the standouts, but like, I don't know if it's going to be like this overwhelming where it's like Rajon is going to get the call up, you know, that kind of thing where it was a couple years ago where it's, I don't know. It's, it seems like a different type of vibe this year. And- what, what about, I know, and you know, those who are subscribed to our Substack will have seen this tally cut up with Wenyan Gabriel. I forgot about him, yeah. He's, he's, he's been really he, good. He's the person I had in mind just because I feel like there's something there that NBA teams have already seen identified and playing well in the G League, you're going to get a look again pretty quickly. He may not be the star of the herd team, but he may have a better chance of having his skills translate in a positive way in the NBA, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like the the kind of he's not the the lead guy that's you know having all these touches or you know orchestrating the offense, but he's playing to his role that could be projected to say if he got a call up to an NBA team or you know all that stuff. He's been he's been really good. He's I kind of more thought of him as more of a stretchier type player like where he could shoot more and I thought that was kind of you know how you'd fit with this team but that's kind of been more secondary to him more scoring down low and kind of he's been really good and kind of as a roller defensively he's been really good I think the other day one of their games against um, 
the Pacers affiliate, he had like four blocks, but it felt like he had like, you know, four blocks, but he's also like at the rim and altering shots and all that stuff. So he's, yeah, he just has a great combination of size and length and just really, you know, knows how to play defensively and protect the rim. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's a different outlook, I would say, than years past because it's like, it's not like Frank Mason and Christian Wood were Bucks players, whether it was two way guys or, you mm-hmm. know, end of roster sightings, but like, they were just so overwhelmingly great <laughs> that it felt like, oh, like, you know, it's kind of exists. It's hard to like explain, but it just felt like, oh, because they are so like essential to their success that it was like, it, it works out differently where I think this, from what I've what we've seen so far, it's more of like, there isn't, it's kind of built like how the Bucks are where it's, they, they can go, they can play pretty deep and it's not, there isn't, you know, much of a weak leak at all. Like Jalen McHugh, he's a role player for them. Um, you know, maybe averaging under 20 minutes or something like that, but he's been really fantastic in his minutes, that kind of thing where I just, there's so many different players that can kind of fill in their uh, place in the team. And it's, it's not like they're missing a beat at all, which is impressive to say for a D league team that, you know, gets assembled, like it's, you know, not comparative to any NBA roster, obviously. Yeah, it seems like they're doing great things. Hopefully it keeps up and they can. I've really appreciated just how much they have gone out of their way to crown themselves as champions for the championship that the G League did not give them from the season that was halted. They've had so many different giveaways and team nights, it seems, to start the season where it's just celebrating the championship that wasn't. And I, I appreciate that because I, I do think it was particularly hard on that group, on that team. And Chase Buford himself spoke with that with Ty and Rohan when he was on. Um, don't know what that was now. A few months back, um, just about particularly in the G League with the way guys move on so quickly and have to move on so quickly and can be all over the world in a heartbeat. It was particularly hard for a group that was as close as that one was and as good as that team was to then not get to have the kind of, I, I guess even not just if they'd won it, the joy of winning, but also even if you lose, you know, just a chance to see it through and actually get some uh, closure on that season. Um, next question from Bango Trap House. Not in an effort to move them, but out of curiosity, what could Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen be worth in an open market? And perhaps not hypothetically, what do you feel Dante's value would be? wouldn't it be worth feeling that out if there aren't plans to resign him? So I'm taking this as trade value, hypothetical. Not Fraser value? No, I don't think so. Um, The not an effort to move them has me thinking it's trade value. I mean, we could do both. I mean, (laughs) the simple answer for Grayson is he's worth more than what the books have already just signed him for on an extension so that works pretty nicely um (laughs) pat would be tough in terms of a free agent number we'll find out in a few months time that's my Uh, answer we may not though because there will be a books discount like Uh... if he wants to stay he, he he'll be able to get more elsewhere and he may well just choose, you know what, I'm happy for Les to be in Milwaukee. 
Um, so if he stays with the books, I don't know if necessarily he will have been paid what his market value might have been. That must mean the real estate business is doing well. <laughs> I mean, you were you were talking, you were talking ten million per year for Dante not long ago, which I thought was wild. So that was okay. The context was the other, like how other teams would view him. I, there was not well, other I teams. I, I don't think any other team would either. I, <laughs> that's that's the equivalent. You just be like, I was just you know, I was just putting it out there. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do I would, it. I would not do it. I would not. But that is, I think for Pat, that is an increasingly realistic market value um, for how to If not more. It would get very scary very quickly, but there's a lot of this season left, and we'll see how he holds up and if he can continue this. Um, okay, trade-wise... I don't, that's tougher, but I mean, you're not getting either of those guys. The books can't move Grayson anyway, but for hypothetical, you wouldn't be getting either of them very easily from the books. Like, you're talking like a good player, like an equivalent player, probably that some of the books would use that, and like a second rounder, or you're talking first round picks. You know, I. This is slightly skewed, but like because of the injuries, but. Grace and Pat are four and five in total minutes played mm-hmm. so far this season. Obviously, again, caveat with injuries. Actually, take that back. Two and three in total minutes played. And uh, I mean, so- the, the thing with them is to move them, they're both guaranteed, barring injury, part of the playoff rotation. Yep. So if the books were to get rid of them, you'd need a return that makes it worthwhile doing that. That's not easy to do. No. Um, Dante, I take some loose change. Give, give me is like if the, if they're not resigning him, the first thing to do is to just one see how this plays out for a while, see what he looks like when he comes back. Is he playable? Is he worth having around? As in, is he gonna be someone who could help you rotation wise this year, regardless of what your plans from are going forward. If that's the case, you just keep him and you let him walk and all of that's fine and maybe you win another championship and he gets to help you be helped by being a part of it this time. That's fine. If he comes back, he does not look good and the books are like, this is a guy who's out of the rotation, get what you can get. You know, If that's a second round pick, you get it. There's no point kind of being precious about it at this stage. You've got Grayson extended. You've got Pat's free agency coming. You've got Bobby's free agency coming again. It's like you've got to be practical here, and Wara. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's it's, it's certainly relevant. I, I think, and we talked about this after the Olympics. I think, like, even that was enough to guarantee that there will be some team who will be interested and will value him more than the books are likely going to. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say, it's gonna be. It's going to be very interesting when he comes back because I think he's going to have in the range of 10 to 20 games to show what he's got. Like, it's going to take him some time to get back to, you know, anything resembling himself, but it's then going to be like, okay, well, is he still still the same player? Is he better? Is he worse? If he's worse or, 
you know, does the same version of Dante find himself in the rotation with Grayson there now, with Pat being so much better, with George Hill back? I that's not that's not guaranteed in its own right. But if he's not going to be a part of the rotation, I get whatever you can get because one, <laughs> you know, the draft pick covered is pretty bare. But anything you could get back for him could be something that helps you to acquire someone who is better positioned to actually play and contribute positively by the time you know we get closer to the trade deadline or next summer. It could be something that allows you to get off of someone else's deal, like package something else that creates some more space if you want to keep Bobby and Pat, whatever, whatever it might be. It's like draft picks are incredibly valuable to the books. And if there's a team prepared to give you anything, you take it if it's the case that he's not going to be part of the rotation. But it's we can't know that just yet. And also, I don't know if that does prove to be the case. I don't know if there's a team that's going to be willing to really part with anything at all for Dante. Maybe a bad, maybe you could do something that's, that's not pick based, where it's like a bad team with a good veteran player who still has something and is facing free agency next summer. And they're like, you know what? We'd rather have a younger guy. You take this guy, he goes and competes, and we'll, we'll take have his bird rights. We'll have his bird rights or something clicks. And either way, we're kind of, if not, it's a salary slot that we were kind of clearing up anyway. I don't, I don't even know. We're too early in the season for me to think in terms of what kind of players would even fit that mold. But maybe that's another route to a Dante trade. Um, but it's what they will do is take a look and see because if he's good, if he's good and he's playable and he's going to be playable long term, well, then they're going to keep him. And it doesn't really matter if they want to go beyond that. It's like if he can help this season, it's, it's probably worth it because you're not getting a first round pick for Dante DiVincenzo after all of his injury history and because they haven't done anything to help themselves on that front with not being transparent with the weird kind of secretive timelines, you're not exactly bumping up his, his trade value. So that's where I stand a lot. From at MK Robert, have either of you ever considered a 24 hour Twitter war against another fan base? Which fan base would you choose? Jordan, there's no way you've ever considered a 24-hour Twitter war with anyone. No, I have not. Um, Do you want to answer for me? Do you want to answer who I'd choose? Raptors. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Really simple. It's it's Raptors Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. They suck. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it'd be great fun. Let's do it. Um, no, I never have because I don't have the time or the energy or desire yeah, to that's... find myself in a 24-hour Twitter war with anyone about anything. But if, you know, go into my head, if I have to do it, you're like, you have to do it. What team is it going to? I just, you wouldn't finish the sentence. I'd be like, okay, Raptors, let's go. I knew Jordan would get that. Uh, next up from at MK Robert again, Bulls, Wizards, Hornets, and Cavs are all in the top six of the East right now. Do any of them finish there? The Cavs are 10th. So, come on, Robert. Better fact-checking. The Knicks are there. We could add the Knicks. 
I think we probably should. Nick's next. no way. Nick's no way. <laughs> I I am on this train. Um, Hornets. I don't know. Like they're really good offensively, defensively. They're pretty blah. They're also young, so it's hard. They're to young. Know. That's the thing. They're, they're definitely good, but it might just be a year too soon for them. Yeah. Um, Bulls. Bulls will be there. Bulls will be there. Wizards, I am reserving judgment on. Because they're already kind of slipping, too. Because I think last we recorded, they were leading the East. Now they're one and a half games back. And they're six and four in their last ten, meaning they started season five and two. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, they are starting to ease I think they, they also they have the best defense of this crew, right? I think I saw that they were the Wizards. And, yeah, um, they are fifth, fifth in now. defensive yeah. rating. The Bulls are tenth. Knicks are seventeenth. That certainly supports you. Um, the Hornets are twenty second. Mm. Hornets actually, you know, negative net rating. Um, that's yeah that's not a good sign for your 11-8 record to have a negative net rating so maybe that's part of the answer on the hornets from at hunter underscore y13 the heat and bulls are much improved you see either of them as a playoff threat to the books heat for sure uh, the heat obviously i think the heat are quite clearly the third best team in the conference yeah I don't think there's any any debate over that unless the Sixers figure out some sort of thing. They have a lot of stuff to do to figure that out. But I, I think, barring that, the Heat are the third best team in the conference, without question. Uh, the Bulls, no. Good team that will get to the playoffs. I do – this. I've, I've been thinking about this. Sorry to cut across. They kind of feel like the Oklahoma City Thunder, Billy Donovan's last year at OKC, where they had Chris Paul, SGA, who is their Schroeder, right? Yeah, Schroeder was a sex man. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty much how their backcourt is, like whether it's with Lonzo, DeMar, and Levine. I would say more scoring power with this team rather than Oklahoma City. But like, Definitely. they're like very, Vooch. yeah, yeah. I forgot he's yeah. Um, I don't know there's just something about it that they play, or it, it feels like it's built in a very s- similar way where they can play. They're certainly bigger than that that backcourt is, but like, has the same kind of tenets as that t- team did. That kind of, I find similar. I mean, also, the, the thing if the books were to play them is, I mean, they've started the season. They're shooting actually the same percentage of trees as the books. They're shooting 13 fewer per game, though. And they have a lot of mid-range specialists that if the books decided to go in and kind of casually and without much further top play drop, there would be a wake-up call there. Like, I think if the Bucks play the Bulls in a series, I wouldn't be like, this is a sweep. I think the Bucks would win easily, but I wouldn't be ruling out that there's a 
something has to be figured out moment uh, adjustment needs to be made which is traditionally i mean even before last year something that the books have often found themselves in in those kind of series which is someone else is kind of striking the first blow um and then they're having to kind of cater to for there but i i do think like i feel like the books have learned i feel like that's already evident in how bud is managing the team in the regular season um so I, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think the books would have the the tools and the formula to to beat them pretty comfortably over a series. But it doesn't mean that the Bulls wouldn't get a game or possibly even two. You know, and it, it would be fun if the books are playing the Bulls and the Bulls are good again in the playoffs. It would be fun to actually have that get to be a rivalry. You know, because that has not been the case. Oh. Um, Basically, when the books have been good, the Bulls have not. And that is like, that is a long running, kind of amazingly so throughout the two franchises' history. I think they would probably go back to the 70s. It's like a switch flips, though. When one becomes good, the other is just then doomed to be absolutely abysmal. So Mm. it would be nice if the two could be good at once and any kind of rivalry could uh, could be started from there. Um, From... From at sign underscore Justin, how can we prepare Adam for that Wisconsin for what Wisconsin weather is like in February? Also, got to meet Jordan in person yesterday at Seth's book signing, which was awesome, and we definitely need a live show. Jordan, you were some people may have seen you. Maybe some said hello. Maybe some just gawked from afar. You're like, <laughs> is that him? Is that the mythical, oh, the no. man, the myth, the legend? <laughs> you know, out and about in the streets of Milwaukee, we're at uh, the set part now book signing event with. Eric name and Dave to four last night, right? Mm-hmm. I did. I made my way to Broken Bats Brewery. Triple B. And you met some people and you had some you had a good time. On that front, on the live show thing, um, yeah, we we're planning that. Like we're in the early stages of planning and feasibility and whatever. So yeah, we we will do our best to have that. Um if if you would like to come to some sort of GSPN live show. Send us a tweet and tell us you would like to come because obviously an important part of this is knowing that people are interested <laughs> and just how many people are interested. So if it's something where you'd be like, yeah, you know what? I can't miss that. Probably wouldn't be the night of a game, but say an off night and like, I'm going to be in Milwaukee for a week that's homestand heavy. Um, so maybe, maybe somewhere, maybe some people come from out of state, Jordan, they can take in some homestand games, you know, have an, an evening with us in between it all. That sounds like fun, but yeah, we're we're looking into that. We're working on that. More information um, will be provided if and when appropriate. But for the meantime, if that's something you'd be interested in, definitely send us a tweet. Tell us, yes, I'd be interested. I'd be there. And if that seems to be the case, yeah, we'll make it happen. Uh, as for the first part of this, which is very important, and I also want tweets about this, how can I be prepared for Wisconsin weather? I, I, I do believe this is, I'm possibly coming at one of the worst times just in terms of unpredictability because it's not even like it's definitely going to be this cold or, you know, I'm right at the end of February into March. Maybe it's the time of year where the weather starts to improve. Although I don't think seasons work like that anywhere anymore. March weather used to be good. I don't think March is good in most places anymore. It's the yeah. cold hangs on a bit longer these days. I think there's something there's wrong always... with the planet, Jordan. Oh, 
I'm just throwing it out there, right? <laughs> I have a feeling something's up. There's always like a week though in March where it's like it's a little warmer. I'm than sure that's normal. Closer to April though. Than no, the you'd be surprised. No? You'd okay. be surprised. Like today, right now is recording. I believe it's 50, and we're talking about late November in Milwaukee, which is not typical. Oh, so okay. Let me let me just translate this. Um, Fifty. Yeah, I think that's a nice mild day. That okay. So fifty is very. I live in Ireland, which is has one of the most temperate climates on the planet. It does not get very hot. It does not get very cold. We just permanently live in the middle. I mean, sure, it gets cold in the winter. It gets cold, but it does not get Wisconsin cold. Um, it does not get very hot at all either. A lot of people complain about it all the time. I love it. I think it's great. I don't like super hot. I don't like super cold. I'm I'm like Goldilocks here, Jordan, right? So I am curious. I've already asked Jordan and Ty and Rohan, you know, what what's how, I think I have to pack some stuff. What do I need to be? Do I need boots? Do I need boots to be prepared for snow? Do I need lots of heavy layers? What what should I be expecting? Thirdly layers just in case. Footwear. Footwear is, you know, because I don't even have lots of pairs yeah, of shoes boots. with me. So what's am I best having something heavy duty just to be on the safe side? It might be. Yeah. Plus, even if it's warm, I want to be out of the ordinary to see someone walking in boots. Oh, sure. That could happen anyway. But I, I don't own a pair because they're not necessary here. That's so this is, point. you know, I've got to be prepared. Hmm. It's an evolving situation. As I, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not looking for, you know, four monthly weather forecasts here. That's not necessary. Um, but yeah, again, you know, suggestions, feedback, welcome. Send me a tweet. Tell me, tell me what I need to be prepared for. Tell me how you would prepare yourself attire-wise if you had to, you know, pack a suitcase to be in Wisconsin for a week at the beginning of March. There's we're a lot of crowdsourcing going on this episode. I expect lots of <laughs> From MK Robert again, what are the top five teams you get most excited to see the Bucks play? Sixers. Sixers, I think, are probably number one for me. There's the long-running rivalry. They've generally been at a very similar spot to the Bucks over the last few years, so games have meaning, and you've had like Ben Simmons being a baby and Embiid setting his location on instagram you've all that stuff I, I think that's a fun one heat i think that's gotten up there for me over the last couple of years as a general rule i have not been excited to see the books play the heat over the years because i'm not i don't think i'm excited it's more of like it's now it's a, you hate to lose those games sure but they have often beat the books and the books have looked terrible against the heat over the years so I would hesitate to put that on the list with this question. Save for the first round. Warriors, Nets. Warriors, Nets. I'm yeah, trying to another team. I'm, I'm generally just happy to watch the books play teams. Um, Celtics at times, again, there is a historical rivalry there and the two teams have matched up with and recent where too. they've been in recent times and you had... Terry Rozier and Bledsoe and all that stuff too. So, I mean, 
I Celtics and Sixers are two that I think general generally I'd be kind of um intrigued by. But yeah, Nets for sure at the moment and Warriors, particularly where they're looking at being back to right now. I think that's kind of it. I mean the Suns this year, um like you play a team in the finals and they're looking pretty good again too. So yep. I'll definitely be interested. I will be there for Suns game, the Suns yeah. game in Milwaukee. The Suns game, um, at least until you know June, of course. But yeah, I, we'll go with that. That's five, right? Sixers, Celtics, Warriors, Nets, Suns, Raptors would have been on the list, but they're not good. Likewise for the Lakers, you know, bad teams just can't be on the list. From at N Falk, last year, Budden, the team treated the regular season as a period of experimentation, especially on defense. Do you see any of that this year? Have the struggles been all personnel related or are also trying out different tweaks in this game? I, I, as genuine as I could be on this, my brain has not switched into this mode yet. I mean, there are things I've mentioned a few times I think rotation management is different to how Bud used to do that at this point in the season, and that's even with some injuries. I think schematically, they're not all that different to last year, other than the fact that they don't have Brooks, so they can't, they don't have the personnel to play in one of their favorite ways of playing. I, I can't really make any judgment on any of that stuff. I don't yeah. think Bud is trying to do much more other than kind of allow the team to keep their heads above water without overworking players. I think that's a part of what they're doing, just kind of work their way into the season. They know how good they are. It's just kind of let's let's fast forward a bit and be in the position we need to be for when we get to the business end of the regular season. I think that's my view on it. So, so struggles, I mean, a lot of struggles came without – they all came without Brooke. A lot of them came without Chris. Drew was missed time. Giannis even – Two games that he missed? One game? One. Big two. Is it two? Okay. Point being, a lot of missed games for key players. So there's not really very much at all to read into that. I just basically haven't reacted to any books lost yet this season. Same here. I think that's I think that's all the questions, Jordan. Yeah, that's that's everything all we've got for now until next time when our mailbag is undoubtedly you know bulging overflowing with questions about my visit and tips for where to go where to eat what to wear you know all of this has been crowdsourced so i'm i see you waiting all the responses don't let me down you know if you're listening to this like a thanksgiving morning i know you might have better stuff to do than that and then <laughs> better stuff to do than sending me tweets about you know what sort of clothes I should bring, but forget all that and send the tweets. Let's throw out with this. Any final thoughts, Jordan? No, I am I am thoughtless. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thanks again to all of you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Eurostep Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on Substack too, gspn.substack.com. You get all the pods there. You also get all sorts of articles and different stuff too. So you want to make sure you don't miss anything for myself, Ty, 
Tom, you're Jordan. I've now done it out of order, which is confusing. Myself, loved myself, Ty, Jordan, Rohan. You know, you know who we all are. Um, that's the spot together. That's all we've got. Until the next time. Enjoy Thanksgiving to all of you in the US. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com